As you may well know, talks of climate change are becoming increasingly serious. Updates are in the news almost daily, so it's a little bit difficult to ignore. And furthermore, there are some new books soon to be published on the topic that paint a pretty grim outlook for our future on this planet. In 2018, 89% of greenhouse gas emissions came from the burning of fossil fuels and industry, and although the use of coal seems to be fading, the use of other fossil fuels are replacing it. So why are we not pushing the transition to renewables? Is there a problem? And can the entire world actually thrive on renewable energy? And these are the questions that will be answered in this episode. Welcome to the Adventures in Sustainable Living podcast. Your host has lived an off-grid, sustainable lifestyle for over 20 years. His homestead is run on solar energy. He has an earth shelter greenhouse and produces much of his own food. And all of this takes place in the middle of the forest in Colorado. Now, let's join Patrick, the man that not only teaches the skills of sustainable living, but lives that life every day. Welcome back, everyone, to the Adventures in Sustainable Living podcast. This is your host, Patrick, and this is episode 94, which is called, Can the Entire World Thrive on Renewable Energy? But before we get started, I would like to once again remind everyone that if you want to contact me with questions, comments, or even suggestions on topics of interest, please feel free to contact me at adventuresinsustainableliving at gmail.com. So let's get started on this week's topic of whether or not the world can actually thrive on renewable energy. You know, I have to say that whenever I look at the state of humanity, I always seem to ask the question of how did we get where we are today? And in answering that question, I also find it interesting to look at just a little bit of human history. And in this case, how did we get started with the using of fossil fuels and how did it become a problem? It is believed that about 4,000 years ago, someone in northern China discovered this odd little black rock that would actually burn. And since there was no electricity or gas for heating or cooking, this rock that would burn was a huge discovery. And archaeologists now believe this to be the first time that humans actually used fossil fuels and that little black rock was called coal. So for many years thereafter, few people actually had easy access to coal. However, in Britain, people were actually able to walk along the beach and pick up what they called sea coal. And the Romans commonly used coal as well because traces of it can be found around Roman ruins in Italy. So coal started to become very popular in London in the 1200s, and this was due to a growing population, and it became more difficult to find firewood for cooking and heating, and eventually 
it was the invention of the steam engine in the late 1600s that led up to the Industrial Revolution that literally changed the course of history. Now, the first appearance of the word electric or electricity didn't come until about 1646. And for a couple hundred years thereafter, scientists struggled with the practical application of this new discovery, but it was Thomas Edison that finally produced a reliable, long-lasting light bulb in 1879. And even after that, progress of using electricity was actually very slow, and even in 1925, only 50% of the homes in the United States actually had electricity. So there was a period of 1870 and to 1910 that is often referred to as the Second Industrial Revolution. And this is when fertilizers and other chemicals, electricity, and advances in public health further accelerated growth and consequently our use of fossil fuels. So it is at least interesting to see how humanity has transitioned into using more and more fossil fuels. But if you remember from previous episodes, the first seminal paper on climate change was published in 1896, and in 1938, a guy named Guy Stuart Callender, an English steam engineer and inventor, first linked the rising of carbon dioxide concentrations in the atmosphere to global warming. And this discovery was even before the electrification of homes in the United States was complete. So by this time, we obviously know that the burning of fossil fuels is the primary cause of climate change. And despite the accumulation of huge amounts of scientific data, it wasn't really until the 1970s that scientists began to produce climate models. And this was simply due to advances in computer technology that made it possible to construct these complicated models. So why is it exactly that fossil fuels have turned out to be a bad thing? Well, fossil fuels are formed from the decomposition of buried carbon-based organisms that died millions of years ago. They form a carbon-rich uh, deposit that is then extracted and burned for energy. And because fossil fuels are renewable only on a geologic timescale, as far as humans are concerned, this is a resource that is not renewable. And even now, fossil fuels currently supply about 80% of the world's energy in the form of coal, oil, and gas. But from the use of fossil fuels, we also know that coal is by far the worst offender. Of the three fossil fuels that we use, coal produces the most pollution and releases the biggest share of carbon dioxide. Oil is also responsible for about 30% of the world's CO2 emissions, and while natural gas tends to be promoted as a cleaner fuel source, it is still a fossil fuel that accounts for about one-fifth of the world's total carbon emissions. 
And just recently, I came across several articles discussing at length the reasons for the decline in the use of coal. So this is at least an improvement, but one of the reasons is that the cost of natural gas has gone down by about 60% since 2003. And in another article that highlighted our future source of electricity, the primary focus was on the increased use of natural gas. So even now, in the face of potentially devastating shifts in the Earth's climate, we are still talking about fossil fuels. So honestly, the whole point in producing this timeline is to simply show how humanity has made this transition. We started with small settlements where wood was the primary source of heating and cooking, and as cities grew, we slowly transitioned to using more and more fossil fuels, and all of this took place over the course of thousands of years. So here is the challenge. It took thousands of years to get us where we are today, and during that time, humanity has made several significant transitions in how we use energy. And we are now on the cusp of yet another enormous transition that will literally alter the very way we live our lives day to day. And not only that, but this transition needs to happen not over thousands of years, but over the next 30 years. And when you think of it in that terms, and in that time frame, instead of discussing how we are going to phase out coal and promote the use of more natural gas, I think it is time that we change the entire conversation. The conversation really truly needs to focus on how are we going to make a complete transition to renewable energy? Because this is possible with the available technology and will not require some sort of miraculous breakthrough. And furthermore, this transition is a major step toward effective climate protection which is truly the only way to save a planet that's going to be worth living on for generations to come. So, circling back to the main focus of this episode, by 2050, the population of the world is expected to be 7.2 billion. And is it possible for the entire world to thrive on renewable energy? So let's just take a minute and look at that possibility. So first of all, this transition is possible by complete electrification across all of the energy sectors that are important to us. Power, heat, transportation, and in some parts of the world, desalination plants for water. So we already have the technology to make this happen. So for example, I've stated in previous episodes that the entire United States could be powered by a solar array that is 21,000 square miles, which is less than one half of 1% of the available land in the entire country. So obviously, if complete electrification were to happen on a global scale, fossil fuels would be phased out completely, and any remaining fuel needs would either be electricity-based 
or biofuels. And furthermore, almost all of our energy would come from local and regional generation. And this, of course, tends to produce an increased amount of energy security. So it is entirely possible that our energy demands could be met from a mix of renewable sources. So for example, <clears throat> solar could provide almost 70%, wind energy could supply almost 20%, waste, biomass, hydro, and geothermal could supply the remaining 10%. And not only that, it has been proven that the long-term cost of such an energy system would be far less than our current fossil fuel dependent system. And the reason is that over time, the levelized cost of renewables would simply be dominated by capital cost because fuel cost would no longer be a deciding factor. Even with our present energy storage capabilities, we can meet approximately 25% of our electricity and heat demands. Battery storage can and will become an important technology to power our homes. And additionally, as our global water crisis advances, it is possible to meet demands by substantially increasing our desalination capabilities, and all of this could be supported completely by renewable energy sources. Now, all of this being said, by necessity, there would be regional differences in energy production, and this is simply affected by locally available resources. So, for example, the, the Sunbelt countries would have solar as their primary source of electricity, and other locations that are more suited for wind would have a large share of off- and onshore wind-generated electricity, and other countries will take advantage of easily available geothermal. But as is typical with anything else that we do, all of this is going to come at a cost. So despite that, even the United Nations has noted that without renewable energy, there is no future. But the good news is that the UN has outlined five critical ways to jumpstart our transition to renewable energy. And the first step that they outline is renewable energy should become a global public good. And what this means is that renewable energy is available to everyone, not just the wealthy. And in order for this to happen, we must be willing to share technology and perhaps even intellectual property rights simply for the greater good. Another key step in this transition is to have widespread access to all essential components and raw materials. And this would, of course, take significant international cooperation and coordination in order to expand and diversify global manufacturing capability. And another essential part of this, of course, is training people with new skills. There needs to be research and innovation and numerous incentives to build supply chains with sustainable practices. And one other thing that we need to do is to change our domestic policy in order to streamline renewable energy projects and greatly encourage private investment. 
and this is possible by making planning, permitting, and the regulatory process more streamlined, which will greatly speed up the production and implementation of renewable energy. And by far, one of the greatest impairments for our global transition to renewable energy is actually the subsidies that are provided for fossil fuels. And this is actually something that I did not realize and just did not realize the extent of how fuel production is subsidized because without these subsidies for fossil fuels, we would actually be paying about $12.75 for a gallon of gas. And it is these government subsidies which lowers the cost of fuel that is paid by the consumer. But it is also these very subsidies that is one of the biggest financial barriers that are hampering the world's transition to renewable energy. The International Monetary Fund says that about $5.9 trillion was spent in subsidizing the fossil fuel industry in 2020 alone. And these subsidies include a wide range of different types of payouts, even from just explicit payouts to tax breaks to health and environmental damages that are not priced into the cost of fossil fuels. And all of these subsidies subsidies approximately equal $11 billion a day. So this is something that we obviously need to change because in developing countries about half of the public resources spent to support fossil fuel consumption benefits the richest 20% of the population. And shifting subsidies from fossil fuels to renewable energy would actually accomplish numerous positive things around the globe. It would cut emissions, it would produce sustainable economic growth, create jobs, and improve public health. And additionally, it would produce more equality, particularly for the poor and the most vulnerable communities around the world. And the last key factor in play here of course, is the money. And the way the United Nations sees this is that we need to increase our investments in renewable energy sources to the tune of about $4 trillion per year until 2030. Now, that, of course, is on a global scale. And at first, that may seem like a really steep price to pay, but we are already spending $11 billion per day to subsidize fossil fuel production, that is the very thing that's destroying our planet. But this includes investments in technology and infrastructure, but the UN further states that this investment would pay off and the savings in climate impact and reduction in pollution would actually end up saving the world as much as $4.2 trillion per year. So let's just take a moment and consider what we have discussed so far. We started with a discussion on how humanity started using fossil fuels. Our increased use of fossil fuels was slow at first, but with the Industrial Revolution that process sped up considerably. A second Industrial Revolution came along because of the availability of cheap fuel. 
well before electricity even became available in every U.S. home, scientists had already realized that we were changing the climate due to our use of fossil fuels. Complex computer models of potential climate change were first available in the 1970s simply due to advances in computer technology. And despite increasing concern over climate change, we are still discussing the ongoing use of fossil fuels. And consequently, it is time to shift our entire conversation because it is now obvious that our best chances for a productive future on this planet is a transition to renewable energy. But the good news is that it is entirely possible for the world to thrive on renewable energy. We have the technology, we have the capability, and we have the funding to make that transition. But to accomplish this, there are five key things that need to happen. Renewable energy must be a global public good, meaning it is available for everyone. There must be improved access to essential components and raw materials, which will require a considerable amount of international cooperation. We must level the playing field and streamline the permitting, permitting and manufacturing process in order to speed up development of renewable energy projects. We must shift subsidies from fossil fuels toward renewables, and we must triple our investment in renewables, which is entirely possible to do. So despite everything that you hear, transitioning the world to 100% renewable energy is possible. And in fact, this transition is not a question of technical feasibility or economic viability. It is truly a question of political will. But besides the obvious benefits for the climate that such a transition would produce, there are other significant political and economic implications. For example, we would no longer be affected by the price of oil on the global energy market. There would no longer be any sort of conflict over oil and gas supply. Food prices would no longer be affected by transportation costs. Countries with an overabundance of oil would no longer be in control of the world energy market. A transition to renewables would eliminate international energy dependencies and the conflict that so often surrounds this dependence. And this would also produce energy security around the world and lead to a more peaceful and prosperous global community. Such an energy system would create local and regional job security and consequently economic prosperity. Energy generation would be on a regional basis which would produce energy security. A sustainable energy system is more efficient and cost-effective than our existing system. And over time, renewable systems would actually bring down the cost of energy worldwide. And finally, a transition to a global renewable energy system and almost completely eliminating the use of fossil fuels 
is by far the best option for climate protection and ensuring that we have a livable planet for generations to come. And sometimes I wish that my listeners could see the homestead that we live on. And granted, our lifestyle is basic, yet we have everything that we need. We have every comfort of a modern home, and yet everything is run off of renewable energy. So it is possible to thrive on renewable energy and have a very comfortable lifestyle. So I have every belief that it is quite possible for the rest of the world to transition to renewable energy. So the bottom line here is that we can solve this problem despite the fact that human activities are causing changes on a planetary scale. And the key to tackling this crisis is simply eliminating our dependence on fossil fuels. And as the Secretary General of the United Nations stated, Without renewables, there can be no future. But the good news, folks, is that the lifeline that we need is right here in front of us. All right, folks, that is it for this week. I truly hope that you have enjoyed this episode. And if so, please take the time to leave me with a review. And please subscribe to the Adventures in Sustainable Living podcast as well as my companion blog, Off-Grid Living News. So please join me next week for another exciting episode. But for now, this is your host, Patrick, signing off. Always remember to live sustainably, because this is how we build a better future.